Welcome to another edition of the Star Podcast, presented by InsideTheStar.com. My name is Bryson Treese, and I'm going to be your host today. Today being Saturday, March 11th, and this is day three of the 2017 NFL free agency period. And as promised, we are coming back with you to keep you updated on what's uh, going on with the comings and goings of the Cowboys players and former players and new players. And by we, of course, I mean me and InsideTheStar.com staff writer, Jess Haney, a.k.a. Cowboys Addicts. What's up, Jess? Not much. It's been a wild uh, 48 hours after a kind of seemingly dead period. Everything's really picked up. It really has. I think uh, Cowboys took everybody a a little bit by storm yesterday evening by um, adding three players, you know. I mean, it was mostly about who was leaving and waiting on the Tony Romo thing and then suddenly we've got three new cowboys. Yeah, I, I, I was. We were leaving work and on our Friday, thinking we had all night just to kick back and enjoy ourselves. And then out of nowhere, boom, 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 breaking news left and right. Yep, yep, yep. And that's part of what we're going to cover here. But first, we're going to get to the most recent news that's been out of uh out of the star boy valley ranch there was some old school terminology coming out there no more valley ranch out of the star in frisco hence inside the star anyway um doug free today has announced that to many delight is going to retire what do you think of that well if you go back to our first episode of the inside Doug star. free retirement party Doug free retirement party i was talking about it then um then it you know it didn't seem like it was going to happen um stephen jones seemed to try to throw water on that fire saying doug free was expected to be back to start at right tackle and now here we are he's retired um it, it's a surprise and like you said i think for many it's a welcome one uh perhaps you know sometimes we can go a little too far on the doug free um, I don't like to say hate Doug Free negativity. Bashing. Yeah, he's he, I mean he's been a very good player, a good starter. He's an excellent run blocker, but we know what his weaknesses have been in pass protection with penalties. The chance to get someone else in that position and maybe see a change in those things is something I think a lot of us are looking forward to. Well, and you know, and I agree on that. We do take it a little bit too far, and probably me more than most. I anytime they call a a penalty and it's anywhere near the line during a game i'm automatically cursing doug free because nine times out of ten that's who it is i mean i've even got a theory that jason witten's drive killing penalties have been upped lately because he's next to doug free most of the time on that right side but you know all of that aside i think that we do take that a little bit too far and we underestimate exactly what kind of value doug free has brought to the dallas cowboys and i mean simply put what was he a fourth round draft pick I believe so. Fourth. I believe it. I believe it was fourth round draft pick. He was a fourth round draft pick who stayed with the Dallas Cowboys for ten years, never went anywhere else, and was a starter for most of his time. You really don't find that kind of value in most places. Now he wasn't a Zach Martin or a Tyron Smith. He wasn't your staple on the line, but he's always been a solid contributor. I think for me, perception has been a big issue with it, and it's not that he has penalties because. Everybody has penalties for the most part. Every line has penalties. I don't say that everybody on the Cowboys line has penalties, but he just has a knack for really horrible timing. I mean, just in the last couple of years, it seems like every time he holds, we are down and trying to come back, and 
has been either Darren McFadden, Alfred Morris, or uh, Ezekiel Elliott that was on a 15 to 25 yard run that got called back. And what really is frustrating to me is that the run was always to the left without Doug Free pulling across. He was always on the right and he still held. And that is just a senseless penalty to me. So to me, it's about perception. And I just remember those negative things more than the positive. That's true, and, and we also have to keep in mind that along with perception is reputation, and that and that plays into the minds of the referees. So yeah. once Doug Free becomes known as a chronic false starter, chronic holder, there he's going to be getting looked at more, and so it becomes kind of a self fulfilling prophecy at that point. Um, also, from a salary cap perspective, you know that's what I love to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this move really has a positive for the Cowboys. It is an instant five million freed up uh, for them to use right now for some additional signings. And you know, if if they do look to the guys that are already on the roster, like Chaz Green and Emmett Cleary as potential replacements, they don't have to worry about spending that money on Doug Freeze replacement. It's already spent. Right. Um, so, right. So that could end up being something that really helps us to go after maybe that pass rusher you've been wanting. Well, not just me. <laughs> oh, I know. You as in Cowboys Nation, our audience. Oh, yeah. Yes. You as in you all fine folks. Um, all right. Well, let's go on to the other part of it there because the Doug Free retirement is kind of a big deal, but it's also already over. That's that. It lasted all of that long. So, Cowboys free agency, it's day three, and so far, not a whole lot today, mainly Doug Free retiring, which isn't free agency. Anyway, yesterday, um, there were some uh, free agency moves, but they're all on top of something else, and I I find this interesting. I don't like Terrence Williams, and I I just, I never have. I don't like a receiver who I feel like I need to go into the locker room and tar his hands before every game, just so he can catch a ball. I mean, and I know he's had some big catches, and of course everybody goes back to that Romo spin move in 2014 against the Texans with J.J. Watt coming, and it's that bomb for a touchdown to Terrence Williams. I know everybody goes back to that. It's like he's the big hero, but I just I don't like Terrence Williams. But now that it's done, I'm just going to put all that aside and say that re-signing Terrence Williams and Bryce Butler to the contracts that they did, Terrence Williams was signed to a four-year, $17 million deal, Bryce Butler signed to a one-year, $1.1 million deal, which is basically your prove-it deal. And I, I I like that. I love the fact that the that the Cowboys are trying to keep some continuity on that offense because, yeah, we're going to have some changes coming at the line, but the other positions, there's not a lot of change happening there. What do you think about that, uh, about that Jess? I mean, do you think it's important to maintain that continuity? There's a lot of things that um, you can unpackage with this these two signings. Um, I do agree that the continuity factor is a positive, um, especially for Young, still just you know in his sophomore season, Dak Prescott, and, and that is something to keep in mind. Uh, Terrence Williams, one thing that to his credit is that he has proven to be a very good run blocking wide receiver, and with mm-hmm. Dallas being a run focused team, that's that's something that sticks out for him more than it might for some other teams. Um, I agree with you about not loving him as a player. I don't particularly like his personality also. Um, he, he's proven to be pretty thin-skinned uh, when it comes to the way he's handled like his social media and some of those things. And mm-hmm. to me, that can somewhat be a reflection of how a guy is on the field. If you can't handle trash talk on Twitter, how are you going to handle the bright lights of a playoff game? 
Exactly. Um, so, I mean, there, there's some of that that I don't like about him, but uh, the Cowboys clearly do, or at least they like him at $4 million a year more than they like some of these other guys getting $8 million, $6 million a year out there. And the timing also is interesting if you think about it because they signed Bryce Butler right before free agency started. And that, in a way, was like a message to Terrence Williams, I think. Like, well, we've got you, we've got this spot covered. And so the fact that Williams has signed this deal for what, based on market value, appears to have been a discount, the Butler move might have set that up to where he felt yep. like he had to take a lower deal for Dallas to, to bring him back. It might have, as Bryce Butler was re-signed on Wednesday, and then it was, uh, what was it, Friday? It was yesterday that they finally signed Terrence Williams. And I found it interesting that during Thursday evening and Friday, there was no buzz. I mean, you didn't hear anything about any rumors from any teams that were even looking at Terrence Williams, and that really it really surprised me. And I know that a lot of the reactions I was seeing from uh, Todd Archer, Ian Rappaport, and guys like that, as soon as the signing was made is that it was like whoa where did where did this uh you know four million a year come from he was expected to get six to eight million you know so I, I think that you're right on that i think the cowboys are very smart to build in a little subtle leverage that way and to me that's what it was a subtle leverage mm-hmm. and and that's great you know i'm we're, we're probably used to that by now but it's still remarkable to point out the way the cowboys are able to manage these situations yeah, it was it was definitely savvy move, like you said, and whether or not um, we never know, you know, as far as how much a team is really letting a guy test the market, how much that player ever really wanted to come back in the first place. Those are things that we never really will find out. Um, everyone's going to say that sure, we wanted him back all along, and he's going to say, yeah, I never wanted to leave Dallas. That's all, you know, hindsight. And yeah, it's all part of that team architecture. You don't ever want to present anything but a unified front. Absolutely. But it it is, I think, in, in some ways it is cool to bring bring these guys back. I mean, at the end of the day, this team was 13-3 and three and a few plays away from potentially getting to the NFC Championship game. There is something to be said for bringing back the same crew, especially on offense, which was the strength of the team, and trying to get there together. And I think that's really what that move is. Uh, I think that's what both of those moves are focused towards is not just what the individuals contribute, but what their what their contributions were as part of the whole. And Bryce Butler, not so much, but with Terrence Williams, especially 2014 and 2016, he was a part of those units, which were, as you said, several plays from being in the championship game. So, I definitely like that. But uh, moving on on that, let's go on to just recap quickly the free agents so far that the Cowboys had and have lost. And uh, most recent was today. J.J. Wilcox confirmed is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. He's got a two-year deal worth uh, up to $8.5 million. We've got Barry Church is in Jacksonville on a four-year deal. you got Ron Leary has gone to Denver for four years and $36 million according to SpotTrack. Um some of the reports have been 35 or 36 million. So, you know, take whichever one you pick on that one. Jack Crawford's going to uh, be a dirty bird in Atlanta for three years, 10.3 million on the contract. Terrell McClain, he's going to be facing us twice a year from the Redskins side of the ball, four years, 21 million deal. 
And really, my only question for that is, with Leary gone to Denver and Doug Free retiring, it looks like we're going to get our first look of instability along that offensive line, the first that we've had in several years. So do you think we can fill those holes with who we have? As you mentioned earlier, you got Emmett Cleary, you got Chaz Green, we also got Lyle Collins. Do we turn to those guys and just really focus on letting them step up, or do we also look to the draft, or do we just really look to the draft? Well, it's important to remember um, that Lael Collins was our starting left guard before he got hurt. So, and and that there's been reports that the injury that ultimately sidelined him in 2016 had been nagging him from before the season, so he was never a hundred percent. Right. So, really, Ron Leary's gone, and and that's I know that that that's sad for some, but he was still our backup guard, um, True. ultimately. And um, Collins is coming back to the job that he had before he left with injury. So to me, that's not really a big loss, um, especially since you know we're looking at we still have veterans like Joe Looney and potentially Jonathan Cooper if we re-sign him uh, to fill up the depth chart at the interior offensive line. I feel pretty good about those guys. Right tackle now is obviously the big question mark. Chaz yeah. Green and Emmett Cleary look good and limited appearances last year but they were very limited appearances Chaz Green also has a problem staying healthy so far so will Dallas address that with some sort of veteran signing they do have that five million now from Doug Free leaving to potentially do that with they also have the draft they do and I mean you bring up Chaz Green and, and Emmett Cleary and you know Emmett Cleary is a guy I'd, I really hadn't even heard anything about until last year um, he was just a, a name that we signed in, I think, for depth, and that was partially due to uh, issues Tyron Smith was having during the uh, training camp and preseason. And he filled in during the preseason and, and looked okay, but a little bit rough. But then he came back towards the end of the year with Tyron Smith missing a little bit of time, and it wasn't as limited as I think you just kind of made that sound. Chaz Green was definitely that limited, but Emmett Cleary got some significant playing time with the starting offense. And personally i was very very impressed i mean and it might just be me because i didn't know a whole lot about emmett cleary and here he is stepping in to tyron smith's shoes and he's looking okay i mean that right there that that's tremendous for me so i'm excited to see how he's going to do on the right side um i know he's a slightly bigger guy and you know we definitely like that over on the right side so Mm -hmm. um you know, you, you want a stronger guy. And, you know, if you're not familiar, the right side of the line for the offense is where you're going to get the slower, bulkier guy who's going to try to muscle in on you. You get your speed rushers and, you know, those guys on the left side more often than not. So, uh, and that's, you know, strong side, weak side terminology there. So I, I am curious to see how Emmett Cleary is going to do over there. And I, I, I'm rooting for him to get that job. Yeah. And ultimately, if, if he or Green can be that guy, that is an incredible salary cap benefit for the Cowboys because those guys are making next to nothing. Um, so do that for a year and then figure it out from there. But if one of them can step up, but you know that that sort of becomes the big question now. Do you have enough confidence that one of them, if you let them compete for the job, is that enough for you for next year, or do you do you feel like you have to add someone else into the mix? And only the Cowboys know how much confidence they have in those two unproven players so far. And, you know, to me, it really does come down to the fact that when Tyron Smith missed game late in the season, it was Emmett Cleary that filled in for him. To me, that that speaks volumes to the confidence they have in him. Um, 
I don't remember offhand what uh, Chaz Green's injury status was at that time. But he I wasn't. Think he was healthy. Yeah, I don't think Green was available when Cleary was playing. I, I, I'm pretty mm-hmm. positive about that. Uh, but I agree with you uh, that any and any time a guy looks good at left tackle, you naturally have that much more confidence in what they'll do on right tackle. That's just that's just one of those um, sort of normal things with football is that the left tackle spot is harder it's the blind side it's all these other things so if a guy looks good there you naturally assume he's going to be even better on the right side exactly exactly so yeah that would be my bet is look for Emmett Cleary to probably edge out Chaz Green on that right tackle spot which is still great for us because it, it leaves Chaz Green to fill in if there's injuries or anything going on there but um, new acquisitions, and let's, let's get into this. This is uh, three signings that were made yesterday evening, all within about an hour, hour and a half's time. Uh, the first one that came up was Stephen Paya, and he's a, a defensive tackle who was with Cleveland in 2016. He's a former second-round draft pick, and he's one of those. He's not a he, he's not big sexy, but he does come in and fill a hole because you know we've got Jack Crawford and Tara McLean who just left so we definitely needed to at least fill a hole and the way the defensive line works in Dallas filling the hole is pretty much as important as getting a superstar for the edge rush you know so it's good that we have that Um, I noticed that he's got 14 career sacks you know so far and he's a 2011 draft pick so 14 spread out over that time he's got six sacks in his final year with the bears which was 2014 and that was before he went on to uh was it washington and then the browns how would you compare chicago's scheme to dallas's in terms of how paya might fit well rod marinelli was very much involved in both um rod marinelli was there when paya was drafted by the Mm -hmm. bears and so now i mean you know he has a hand in him coming here now uh, I like this move a lot. Uh, Paya was a second-round pick in 2011. Terrell McLean was a third-round pick in that same draft. Paya went interesting. Paya went 12 spots ahead of him. So at that time, at least, they they liked him. Rod Marinelli liked him more than Terrell McLean at that moment. Um, I think that he's going to come in and basically do as much as Terrell McLean did. Um, he may not be quite as athletic as McLean was, but he's very powerful. Not that you can go by this necessarily, uh, but it, it's worth noting that for years, if you play Madden, Stephen Paya has a strength rating of like 95 every really? year. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't noticed that. <laughs> so, I mean, this guy, clearly someone thinks he's pretty strong. They're getting that from somewhere. So if, if he is going to be your one technique defensive tackle, which is the role McLean filled, uh, as you you said something earlier about he fills a hole. Well, that's exactly what that player does. Not just in your rotation, but that role, filling up the line, taking occupying blockers. That's what he's going to be here to do. He's done that well throughout his career. But as you showed, he also has some ability to to get some pressure and get sacks like McLean did. Well, and yeah, and I believe he's listed as a defensive end right now, but in Dallas, he is going to be a defensive tackle. And I think part of that is he's just a, he's a bigger guy. He's not the guy you expect to come around the edge. And he's uh, at 300 pounds. He does have some mobility, has the history of being able to get to, um, get to the quarterback. And especially so in that final year with the Bears, which was, um, 
you know, again, that was six. Yeah, it was 2014, but it was, again, it was six sacks. And, I mean, six sacks, that that would be incredible to add that for, you know, for the value that we've gotten him with. It's incredible to add that to this Dallas team compared to what we've had the last couple of years. Yeah, and we don't have details yet on his contract, but um, I would imagine it's way less than what Terrell McLean got from Washington. And probably he's going to give us about, about close to what McLean did on the field. So another savvy move, I think. Very much so, and that that seems to be the cornerstone that the Cowboys are working around lately. So I like that signing. Um, another one, and this one, I, I'm seeing so many people, and I, I'm sorry, I'm calling you out, Joey Ikes. I have almost <laughs> muted you yesterday because I got tired of hearing you rant and rant and rant about Nolan Carroll. This is a bargain signing. It is a position that we have a lot of uncertainty at because we still don't have anything done on Brandon Carr or Morris Claiborne. And there's interest out there. So why not take a guy that we have faced? We faced him a couple of times in in 2016, you know, because he's played with the Eagles. He's played on a defense that we know very well among the best of all the other teams. The Cowboys coaches know the NFC East teams that well. And after all that film review, they brought him in for a a workout uh, last year, didn't end up signing him. So they bring him in this year and we finally get the deal done. I love this signing. It's not that he's going to come in and be given the starting role. You know, that that's not what kind of deal we're looking at here. He's coming in to fill a hole. He's coming in for competition. And that was one thing that I loved about uh, about the contract that I was looking at is, um, you know, he's a, he's a fifth-round draft pick from 2010, went to Miami. And the way we've got him is on a three-year, $10 million deal. And the way he's set up is we can cut him after 2017, and it's only going to be a $2 million cap hit. Yeah, it's a hit. You don't want to take that. But at the same time, it's a very low-risk signing. If he doesn't work out, get rid of him. Right. I, I like this signing, too. Uh, there's different ways you can look at this. Um, some people lean on the pro football focus player ratings more than others. Um, if you if you do lean on those, then you probably don't like this signing because uh, Carroll was not rated highly. He was um, he was rated 92nd in the NFL out of cornerbacks. And if you think 32 teams and two at least starting corners per team, you do the math. That's not great. Uh, and when you look at some of the other Cowboys, Morris Claiborne was 12th, Scandrick was 28th, Anthony Brown was 48th, Brandon Carr was 51st. So if you're looking at Nolan Carroll as the veteran replacement signing for Brandon Carr, that's a big discrepancy, the 51st corner versus the 92nd corner. But again, this is just one group's ratings, one group's way of looking at things. I think what you just said is way more important. The Cowboys know this player. They've studied him. They've scouted him. They wanted him last year. He chose to go back to Philly. They still wanted him back this year at 30 years old. They must think he can do something in their defense. And that's really what it comes down to is just what he can do in their defense. And the Eagles aren't the Cowboys. No no other team are the Cowboys. So, you know, we've got to trust them a little bit. And, you know, there's there's just a lot of people out there that are just really throwing the defensive personnel and, and Jason Garrett under the bus with this, saying that it was a totally complete crap signing that we downgraded talent on, you know, in the defensive backfield. And I, I just don't agree with that. Um I, I like him. You know, he's not a he's not a big stunner or anything like that. Though he did actually pull some moves on us. I remember um, when he was with the Eagles, and 
He's got eight career interceptions. It's not a it's not a huge number for a 2010 draft pick, obviously, but it's somebody who's solid. And we've got some up and coming talent. We've still got Anthony Brown. You know, after the way he stepped in for Morris Claiborne, I'm I'm going to be surprised if he's not the number one or number two going into 2017. I agree. I mean, I I, I always. I've been thinking about this with in terms of like the Giants. We're all, we're all up in arms about the Giants signing Brandon Marshall, and they're going to be unstoppable all of a sudden. I, I the way I see that is you know Anthony Brown is who's going to guard Odell Beckham. That if I had to put money on it, that's what I would see is Brown guarding Beckham next year, and Nolan Carroll. He's he's a six foot tall guy. There's your brand. There's your guy who's going to cover a Brandon Marshall, mm-hmm. and. Um, then you'd have Skandrick on like Sterling Shepard in the slot. I mean, they'll they'll play around with it. Obviously, I'm, that's just basically the point is Nolan Carroll is a guy who has size. He's six six foot. He may even be six one, two hundred pounds. He's there to guard some of these big body receivers uh, because right now with Brown and Skandrick, they're a little smaller. So he fills a role. He fills a need. I don't think he's he's that big a drop off from Brandon Carr at all, if if any, uh, frankly. Well. And the other obvious point to bring up is look at 2016 cornerbacks in Dallas. Who of them had even one interception? Um, Brown did. Yeah, Brown did. Nobody else. Yeah, so, I, right. It, and if Carroll is completely awful, like you said, they, they've built in a, a get-out-of-jail escape clause here into this contract. I don't think he'll be awful. I think he'll be serviceable. And the move is not big enough to where they're done at cornerback. They, Brandon Carr may still be back. Morris Claiborne may still be back. There's still this whole big draft thing happening in April. So Nolan Carroll may be our fourth cornerback by the time this offseason's over. And, and you know what? Even if we you know turn around right now and re-sign Claiborne and Carr, he's still the number four cornerback at, at, at worst. And I... I'm totally okay with that. I think he's great for a fourth to second quarter uh, cornerback. I, I think he works very good on that. So I'm excited to see that. Um, and just one more little thing that I just found interesting, just people don't know about him. He's actually been kind of on the incline. The last couple of years, his tackle totals have been higher than they were in any years prior. Literally the last two years, each were higher than everywhere else. And he's got three interceptions, 21 passes defense, and started all 16 games. So I I do like where he's at in his career right now. Now we're going to go on to another guy, and um, Demontre Moore, the defensive end, third-round draft pick from, from 2013, went to the Giants. He's had some off-the-field issues and some injury issues. He was with Seattle last year. Um, he's got 10 total career sacks. Now, I noticed he only played four games last year, and I'm going to kind of discount that. Going back to 2014 and 2015, he was actually with two teams in 2015. He played the first 11 games for the New York Giants and then another three for Miami and had eight and a half sacks in those two years. That's 27 games, two teams, eight and a half sacks. To me, that's an upgrade right there. Now, I mean, I know that there's there's risk with this guy, but I like the numbers at least that he can perform. I just don't know if he can stay healthy. Don't know if he can stay out of trouble. What do you think of Demontre Moore? Uh, it's, it's one of the, it's like you said, it's a risk worth taking because ultimately it doesn't look like for the Cowboys there's going to really be any penalty here if they decide it, it's not going to work out. Um, he is definitely an athlete 
Uh, he has good size and um, he he fills a need potentially. He has bounced around the league, uh, and that does worry you a little bit. Last year, um, he didn't play much because of injury. Uh, he did get put on injured reserve by Seattle, uh, but um, he also sat out in free agency until November. So, you know, teams are obviously leery of him. The Cowboys had him in for a workout, I think, last year and uh, ultimately did not sign him. So that tells you something, given that they still at that point needed pass rushers like they do now. Right. Um, so who knows? Maybe the Cowboys, you know, had him in at that point and they had a conversation with him and said, you know, you need to work on this, this, and this. We'll see you next year. And he, now now they've signed him. That could be. That could be. Do you see him fitting as a defensive end or a tackle? Uh, I think definitely uh, an end. Uh, he he's kind of you know tall. Uh, he's not very bit heavy. I mean, I've only seen where he he weighs about two fifty to two sixty. Mm. Um, so at that point, he'd be even um, lighter than David Irving. And so I I think he would be more of an end. And but but I like tall defensive ends. And you know sometimes they can do things that really mess with uh, tackles, particularly uh, on the right the right tackles. Um, so who knows? I mean, ultimately the Cowboys aren't giving this guy any big guarantees here. So it's, it can't, if nothing else, he's an interesting camp body. I I do like that. So we're going to see how those turn out. And of course, free agency is not even near over yet. We still got another week or two before, uh, things really start to just wind down with that. But let's move on to this never ending saga that we call Tony Romo and, nothing's happened yet i mean nothing nothing has happened yet we get word out that he's supposed to be released on thursday and instead we get trade talks on thursday and not even sure if they were actual trade talks i think they could have been just you know trying to game everybody and generate interest not really sure on that and the most that's happened in the last 48 hours is that an old offer from fox has resurfaced where they want him to come in and fill in for john lynch for their uh, sunday Sunday broadcast their game crew and everybody's acting like that's big news it's not it's old news but that's how slow this is going and it's kind of crazy it is and at this point it seems like everyone's kind of playing chicken um cowboys are holding holding on to him hoping that someone is finally going to crack and throw him a draft pick we don't know if they're the ones who've generated half of this news that's out there um just trying to stir up the market. You've got the Broncos and Texans both trying to say that we're not going to trade for him, but we are interested in him if he's released. I think the Broncos have now upped the ante saying, we don't even know if we want him anyway. Um, Even if you cut him, we don't know if we want him. So everyone's jockeying for position right now on this, trying to get some sort of leverage. Uh, You know, we don't really know who's bluffing who at this point. The Fox thing is out there. Uh, you mean if Tony Romo still wants to play football or doesn't, I think we would know that by now. He would have retired at this point. So I think so. I feel like he he still wants to play, and now it's just a matter of if any of these teams pull the trigger. And then if let's say the Broncos and Texans do come off the board, at that point Romo may have to reassess. Does he really want to be a Chicago Bear or a Cleveland Brown or or any of these other? teams that are out there um we'll have to wait and see on that 
Yeah, we will. And part of the problem is, is aside from what you're hearing from basically from Dallas and, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Aside from that, there really aren't any other teams that are outwardly expressing interest. You've got what's being said about the Broncos, what's being said about the Texans, but both teams are refuting those reports and nobody else is getting into that conversation. So it's actually, I thought there was going to be more of a market for him. I I thought this was going to be a little bit more active and there was going to be some, you know, conversations happening, but it doesn't appear that there are. No. um, And I, I, I said the bears, but I guess after that Mike Glennon signing, we should forget about them. They've already screwed themselves. Um, And, uh, the, the Browns are out there, and I mean, I mean, as much as we hate it, we hate the idea of this happening, we cannot ignore the Washington factor with what's going on with them, with what's going on with Cousins. Um, who knows on that one? Uh, but they're, they're still out there, and I mean, I, hate, I just hate, 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 hate the idea of him going there. But if he still wants to play, and Broncos and Texans aren't biting, Washington just might become the next most attractive option for him what do you think and this is a a way out there what do you think of the idea and personally i don't see it i kind of like blake bortles but what do you think because romo is a one two year quarterback at most and he comes in at a high level and a lot of upside despite his risk what do you think the chances are that the jacksonville jaguars may be in play for him to allow Bortles to cool his heels a bit and figure out what he's doing. I don't know. Be I, I tell you, I, I hate that idea um, to be fr- from the standpoint of if they still want Blake Bortles to be something, that's the best way to make sure it doesn't happen is, is to bench him for Romo. But I, a lot I, of people are saying that there's nothing left that Bortles has hit his ceiling. Well, that's the thing is if if they're done with Bortles, then sure, go for it. But if they actually think that this is some way to let Bortles reset and somehow finally reemerge as their starter, forget about it. This that's the fastest way to make sure that he you you kill him. No, 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 I, did, I didn't mean that. That's why I said cool his heels. They're going to put him on ice by doing this. Oh, and okay, it, it could go either way. It could refocus him to take that job back, and I mean take it with force or. It could allow the team to see maybe he's just not the guy that they thought he was and not the guy to build that team around because they are building that team and they're they're getting some solid pieces in place. I like where they're headed. I mean, they're kind of the underdog in the AFC pretty much all the time, but they're, they're starting to stand out the last couple of years. And Bortles a year ago was able to keep up with that, but in 2016, I think he got shown to be a little flat-footed on it. Yeah, I I don't know. The Jaguars, to me, seem like a team that bringing in Romo would not really help them get where they're trying to go long term. I don't think they they foresee themselves as a um, contender in in, in their division, even though it's it's a weak division. Um, I think that they're still looking down the barrel of Andrew Luck, Marcus Mariota, some of those guys. And they're, they've got to be thinking about how are we going to contend with these guys long term. And if it's not Bortles, then maybe they draft a quarter, another quarterback this year to compete with him. I, I think that they, they may have a more of a long term view. 
Yeah. Well, like I said, you know, big long shot, really just trying to drum up interest in the whole Tony Romo thing because it's just stagnating right now. I mean, it's going nowhere. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I I wish for him and for us that it would that it would end and he could move on and have his new home, and 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 all that. And I wish we could move on. Um, but plus, really, we've got. I mean, at this point, we don't know his status affects us from because of what the salary cap may or not be. Uh, if he leaves now, if if he gets cut it or if he gets traded, that's an immediate five million more that we have to. To use in free agency if we end up doing the june 1st thing we don't have that five million to spend so it'd be nice to get some resolution now from that standpoint yeah it, it certainly would because we we need the space i mean we've been able to do some things so far and you know freeze extra five million that was freed up and pun intended there mm-hmm. that you know that was that was a good little addition there and it's enough that we can make some moves with and we still had a few million on top of that i not able to keep up exactly with what the cap figures are remaining after some of these signings but they started out with about 11 million before those three um the three additions yesterday so add that five million into it and they should be somewhere between nine and 14 million is what i would guess that's and that gives them some it gives them some flexibility that's a pretty good estimate, and of course, you know we do have the the break the glass um, on Des Bryant restructuring him. There's there's a quick twelve million to be had there. If, yeah, if, I think if we were going to do that, we would have done that in the last two days. Right. I I mean, and that would have been probably if we really wanted to like go after one of those top cornerbacks or yeah. uh, Nick Perry to as pass rusher, pass rusher or something like that. It probably won't happen now. Like you just said, those the guys who we would have needed that money for are pretty much gone. Yeah, that's kind of a – I mean, you know, like you said, break glass. It's an alarm. You do that when you just have to do something. And the Cowboys don't really fancy themselves ever being in that position. So they're not going to – start acting like it now is my thought but you know so far it's been a fairly interesting free agency period for the cowboys at least so we're good to see that um i'm curious to see what other value they're going to find out there i mean i do like the signings they've made so far and i'm curious to see what other little treats they're going to find like that but uh that's going to wrap it up for this episode and we will uh, keep you informed of any other signings that are going on and again when something does happen with this tony romo thing you know one way or the other not just more of the same we'll also come back out with that and you can keep up with other signings and news and we're still looking at draft prospects and everything on inside the star.com um, that's every day uh so you know be sure to check us out over there and you can subscribe to us through uh cowboys nation on twitter or at inside the star dc um you can also find us on facebook at inside the star and you can find jess haney at cowboys addicts on twitter and at dallas cowboys addicts on facebook if that's your flavor anything else to add sir no man it's uh it's been a fun weekend more fun than i think we expected from the cowboys and hopefully that'll continue on into the weeks ahead yeah when's your doug free retirement party <laughs> i already started baby already started i went and bought some hard apple cider and some penalty flags and uh we're gonna do it upright hard apple cider man you're living dangerously <laughs> <laughs> all righty everybody thank you for listening And have yourself a very good weekend. Enjoy your Sunday. Stop worrying about Tony Romo. 
let the Cowboys do what they're going to do. And we'll check back with you here in the next week. As always, go Cowboys. is brought to you by InsideTheStar.com and Slant Sports Digital.